0: On the home of the U, AM560 and FM96.5 HD2 WQAM, driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click williamsoncadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki.
1: Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Manny Diaz Show. Joe Zagiecki alongside University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz and my broadcast partner Don Bailey Jr. as we reflect back on a great Hurricanes win over North Carolina State and look ahead to Virginia Tech. And uh, first, Coach, boy, you talk about a hard-nosed, gritty performance, uh, another one turned in by the Hurricanes against North Carolina State.
2: Yeah, showed a lot of heart, a lot of det- uh, determination. Um had to persevere through a lot of adversity, you know, because, uh, you know, NC State played really well, um, as we suspected that they would. And you reached that point in the game where, you know, it's easy for that doubt to creep in, you know, maybe it's not our night and our, and our guys, they, they just, they just absolutely took over the fourth quarter and uh, and found a way to win.
3: Coach, I don't think anybody realized, unless you were standing on the sideline, how physical a contest that was, that both sides were going at it like a 15 round heavyweight, heavyweight fight the entire 60 minutes.
2: Yeah, which, look, you, you know, you you go on the road in conference, you're you're a weeknight game, you're on national TV, they're wearing their all-black uniforms. Like, I mean, it, it's all the – it's everything set up exactly for a, a big-time event, and you know you're going to get a big-time performance from, from NC State. And, and they played really well early on, and, and, and I thought they made some plays against our defense that sort of unnerved us, and it took us a little bit out of our game. Uh, I thought we started pressing and started making – Um, really simple mistakes and so then we compounded they were playing well and then we started helping them started helping them with penalties and it really took us to just calm down and just be us um, and let us be enough and and ultimately that's what ended up happening.
1: Uh, We could probably spend this entire show on De'Ara King and we will get to him in a moment he was ECC player of the week he's number one in the conference by the way in total yards now per game over 300. But I would like to present this subject to you. It's a close, hard-fought game, like you mentioned, Friday night. It's a Black Friday. And teams that go from good to great win those games. And I could pick any one of our University of Miami teams in the past that have had to go through that. And it's easy for us to say that. But how about the players? Is that something that you have to teach them? Hey, guys, it's okay to be in a game like this. It's not a work of art. Not every game's a work of art. But to grind one out like this is something special.
2: It is, and it, they're the games that when you look back after a season that good teams lose this game, and 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 great teams find a way to win it. And uh, look, you know, two weeks ago against Virginia, we had to grind out nineteen fourteen because we had a hard time scoring in the red zone against their defense. And this past game, we had a harder time stopping him, so the offense had to pick up the defense. I, I enjoy the the team ball. Of course, I would enjoy it being a, a more decisive win, but but it's great to see that. Um, we can win a game in a lot of different ways, and, and, uh, and, the, and the players take confidence from that.
3: Manny, two things, two-part question. How do you handle the penalty issue this week, uh, an exorbitant amount of uh, penalties against North Carolina State, and then also the importance of dominating that fourth quarter, which we have seen your team do a few times this year?
2: Yeah, so we've already uh, paid the pill. You know, we, we obviously have some um, discipline, some physical discipline we do for the, the penalties. Uh, we analyzed the penalties, and, and it's it's crazy. They actually, once we calmed down at halftime, the penalties really went away in the, in the second half. I think we only had three um, after halftime. It was crazy in the first half, and that's when really we were just sort of off our rocker and not um, not functioning. So we actually kind of corrected that during the game, and that adjusted the way the game was being called also. that That had a factor in it as well. So we gave ourselves a chance because we calmed that down. Um, And I think our players have seen that when we limit our penalties, we're a much better football team. To the fourth quarter point, um, we've now seen it three weeks in a row. Our tempo wears people down. And um, our guys were ready to play another quarter. We could have played a fifth quarter. And I think if we did, we would have won by 20. Um, They look like they had it about had it. And uh, that's a testament to Coach Feely, the way we practice every day with our offensive system and, and the type of shape our players are in.
1: I don't know, Coach, if you could give your team any more examples of how confident you are in them through the decisions you've made. You go forward on fourth down in the first quarter, deep in your own territory. You follow that up with an onside surprise (laughs) kick that your team gets. You kick a field goal, do the math, I thought it was a brilliant call, kick the field goal, but you tell the defense, hey, you get us a stop, we win the game at the finish line. And so those, to me, are all inspiring and also uh, confident decisions, imposing confidence uh, into your team.
2: Well, thank you, Joe. And it, it helps when you have a team that, that rewards your confidence in them. You know, the, the field goal decision was interesting. We um, Obviously, we, we had fourth and one, and we felt like we had scored. Um, and honest. so, well, actually, let's go back. We have a third down where, where they're grabbing Larry Hodges. And there's not a penalty called. So it really should be first and goal Miami, where now your odds are through the roof that you're going to score a touchdown. They don't call the penalty. Derek makes a heroic effort to get close to the to the goal line. It's rather obvious that he's not in. So we go fast and we walk in the end zone. Have that taken away, you know, through the review. Okay, we're resilient. Let's go find a way to do it again. We line up again. We score again. There is a very hard-to-find flinch um you know by our offensive line and really by the numbers which we pay a lot of attention to we we would have we should have gone for it on fourth down and five as opposed to kick the field goal but I just felt like there were three really sort of negative things in a row that happened to Miami at that point where you're kind of your mojo is not even though you know you want to go but you just boy it's like three kind of kicks in the gut let's go make something good happen let's go get a field goal. We had stopped the run on defense, and stopping the run was really the whole key. I and mean, there was like six minutes left, which with our offense, I mean, to me, that's, that's two possessions. And if you tell me that we've got Derrick King in our offense and need to find four points against NC State, I don't see that as a risk at all. So, um, you know, you got got Borgales, who you know, does a great job at knocking it through, and defense comes up with a stop, and then, you know, we never look back from there. And to be honest, we could have scored more if we wanted to.
3: Coach Mike Harley, back-to-back games. First time we've seen a, a Miami receiver do that in many, many years where they put up those kind of numbers. 18 catches the last two games, over 300 yards, three touchdowns. touchdowns—and But the entire receiving core and throwing your tight end as well, the best game that they've had as a unit. And I don't even – we'll have to ask Joe when. <laughs> because it was, it's been a long time.
2: Yeah, it, it is, it's been fun to watch our confidence grow in our passing game. Remember just two weeks ago we – we're bemoaning that we can't throw the ball deep and we throw it pretty good deep now. And, um, the guys are getting confidence. I I think some of those plays we made in the Virginia game now it's like, okay, we can breathe a little bit. We're like, relaxing a little bit more. We're trusting ourselves. We can make those plays down the field and making plays for Derek and Derek is throwing great balls. We're getting great protection, uh, on those plays. And, and we're going to, you know, we said it all during the summertime, we're going to throw the ball deep. And, um, that's something at Miami, we should feel like we should always be able to do with, with our speed on the outside but you got to know how to run a route you don't just run fast to, to go deep you got to learn how to beat a guy off the line you got to learn how to stack him. you got to learn how to fade to the ball you know when the quarterback puts it on the money so our guys are getting more confident doing that and it sure helps to be explosive in the passing game.
1: Somebody asked me about uh, De'Ara King's performance the other night and of course it was magical but I just thought right from the get-go he was decisive in everything he, he was going to do. He really was.
2: And uh, look, De'Arge is getting more comfortable in our in our scheme, you know, and, and week in, week out. And, and I think that's a great thing we do is because we're simple and we get to execute many of the same passing plays every week. And um, you just can't help but get more confidence in it. And I think his confidence in the receivers now, that they're making those catches, you know, having a guy like Mallory over the middle, you know, I mean, gosh, I can't wait to get Brevin Jordan back. So I think all that is, is is having a, um, a say. And, I, and, again, I thought the offensive line did a nice job of protecting him NC State would bring a lot of pressure, then they drop a lot of guys and only rush three and everything in between, and, and, uh, and no matter what they did, it seemed like we had an answer.
3: And let's go back and hit on your defense in the fourth quarter. I think they held them to North Carolina State to nine yards rushing and completely dominated, and then, of course, Derek King being able to lead Miami down in less than a minute and a half on the winning drive. Just the balance between those two stats and those two parts of that quarter.
2: Yeah, great, you know, great team ball. You know, defense went out there, you know, got a stop. You know, offense went down there, was able to score. Defense got out there, got a stop. The offense went down there. That's when we had the field goal drive. Um, you know, and then and then again we had the, another stop, and then, you know, we we're able to run the clock out. So uh great team ball. But it really came down to you know, you mentioned it before, Don. The perceived pressure of winning every week is a learned habit. You have to learn how to deal with you know, finding a way that no matter what the circumstances, we're Miami, we need to go find a way to win this game. And and I felt like our players just put a lot of external pressure on themselves midway through that game. We were making the game much harder than it was. And that's not to discredit NC State. I just mean we were hurting ourselves by just – by by going a little crazy. We were, it wasn't a lack of effort. We were playing extraordinarily hard, but almost like a car driving in a red line where we were starting to swerve off the road a little bit. And And what I saw from our leadership in the fourth quarter was we just – we just relaxed. We went out there and we just played. And we talked confidently. We talked about good things that were about to happen instead of worrying about what had happened. And it just felt like a much more confident approach to the fourth quarter and look at what the results were.
1: Derek King, as I mentioned, ACC Player of the Week. Uh, he's leading the conference in his total offense over 300 yards per game. His impact on the program, Coach, maybe we can discuss that a little bit. I find it a, a neat symbolism that he wears the number one. Because I think the one represents one team.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, that's exactly right. Because no matter all of the great things that he does during the course of the game, he is as humble of a, of a player as we have. Um, guy's got every reason to, to, to showboat and to, you know, say I'm the man and, and do all this and that. And and he's not about that, you know, And he just goes about and um, performs, whether – you can't tell his demeanor whether we're, we're winning, we're losing, he's playing great, you know, struggling, what, anything in between. So um, I think that makes everybody, you know, fall in line because, you know, it, it, his talent is, is without question. But who he is, I, I've I said over and over again, I think has been so key to our team and having someone that they can all rally behind and then some great leaders behind him that really fall in, fall in line as well.
3: And I see things that happen with Derek that a lot of people may not notice. First of all, one thing is on the sideline, when he and Coach Lashley talk, he stares at him in the, right in the eyes. He's not looking around. He's not fixing his wristband. They have direct communication with each other every single time. And then in that ball game, that last drive, he could have made a special day for himself in trying to work for that end zone. He took a dive, did the team thing, ate up the clock, and, and that just shows you that his wisdom and but how much he cares and how much he wants to be coached.
2: Yeah, we we told him on that. It, it was actually a question because I think we were having, coming out of a timeout, and, the, and we, we feel like we had – Red had a good play call, and we had a feeling we might score, and and the question came, you know, do we want to score? And the way that crazy game had gone, who knows what would happen. Um, but we knew that if we, we – we call it church, actually. You get the first down and you, and you basically take a knee. Um, and we knew that if we did that – where the clock was, where their timeouts were, we could take a knee and end the game. And um, it had been such a wild night, we, we we wanted to ensure victory. So we kind of robbed Derek of a touchdown, kind of robbed the offense of 50 points, but uh, but they'll get over. But you're right. I mean, Derek, he can, he can relay to you anything that's going on in the field. He sees it all very well. And We knew that the very first time he came on his recruiting visit and you sat down and talked to the guy that he's a football junkie, um, lives, breathes it, you know, is, is fully aware of what's going on around the country, watches ball any chance he gets, and and he loves it, and uh, they've got a great relationship for sure.
1: I did want to mention this before we uh, go to the break so we get this in our first segment. The defense had some big stops down the stretch, including, I thought, one of the great calls, the blitz with Corey Couch, who makes a great move around the running back to get to the quarterback.
2: Yeah, he really did, and and it was um, back-to-back third downs. We brought uh, to Corey on both third downs, and, and on the first one he – the the quarterback scrambled out and almost threw a pick to DJ Ivy, and the second one to Corey, like you said, made a great move and got the quarterback on the ground. And but you know, all that was a was a, a side product of of doing a great job on first and second down stopping the run and putting him in third down along, I thought, you know, you know, Blake Baker called the great blitz both those times. And actually great blitz the first time and sometimes you can overthink it the second time and say, Hey, listen, if they're struggling to stop it and a guy's hot like DeCorey like was, let, let's let's bring it again. And, uh, and lo and behold, it ended up you know paying dividends.
3: Coach, also when you when you look at that ball game, Ivy, he sealed the deal. We go we go 59 minutes or 58 minutes, and we're not able to get a takeaway on either side. Either team's able to come up with a takeaway, and it's
2: nice to see him come up with that as well. It was a big play when it needed to be made, you know. And um, a lot of guys did a good job on that play. It was a play that they had shown a drive or two before, and we matched matched it up quick. And I thought the quarterback was a little hurried. And, um, and that's why we felt like, look, they, they made some really good plays in the passing game early on in the game. We felt like if we finally could get the running game managed and, and slowed down, which we did a better job in the second half, that the quarterback would struggle to, be, to, to him alone have to beat us. And, and in turn, that's exactly what happened.
1: Many more talking points to come on North Carolina State and on Virginia Tech coming up. We'll do that as we continue on the Manny Diaz Show right after this. Hurricanes are developing a standard of how they want to play and at Williamson Cadillac they have a standard as well. Williamson Cadillac they uphold the service and the sales standards that earn industry and community accolades year in and year out. Williamson Cadillac is a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years and Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami right now you can experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer with its award winning lineup you can make a statement and they're unmistakable XT crossovers I'm driving the XT4 it's absolutely stunning it's quiet it's smooth has plenty of room It is a five-star automobile. It is engineered to stand out. You can excite your senses in Williamson's CT Sedan Series dedicated to performance or right in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. Visit their state-of-the-art facility, conveniently located US 1 and 104th Street just south of the Palmetto Expressway, or view their entire lineup online at williamsoncadillac.com. Ed Williamson has a standard every year they meet that standard they uphold service and sales standards that earn them industry and community accolades williamson cadillac your premier luxury dealership williamson is miami I'm the
0: the U AM560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM, driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's Premier Luxury Dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the hurricanes, Joe Zagacki.
1: Welcome back to the Manny Diaz show. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr., University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz. This week the hurricane's on the road. 12 o'clock kickoff at Lane Stadium against virginia tech they're coming off a tough one coach i look at virginia tech and i think well big change no bud foster this year coaching their defense Uh, how has that changed their their philosophy
2: yeah i would say structurally they're a little different um than what they were but they're still a very hard-nosed program you know they're still kind of a blue collar that work ethic i think is all still there and what makes virginia tech virginia tech um and, uh, you know, it's hard when you've got a legacy like that, when you're replacing a legend, you know, that's always something It's going to be, you know, you're not going to want to change the culture because they've played great defense there for so long. But, um, but you know, anytime you, you, you play a Justin Fuente team, they're excellent running the football, um, and they are again this year. They've got a great offensive line, one of the premier backs in the country and a running quarterback. So um, they can run the ball, and, if, you know, if you can run the ball and play defense and, and don't turn it over, that's always been a formula for success.
3: Coach Herndon Hooker, the the quarterback, we saw a little bit of him last year, but he single-handedly last week against Liberty was their offense. They they lost uh, the running back, and and he was I think he ran for over 150 some odd yards in that ball game. But he's something to deal with, not only as a runner but also with his arm.
2: Yeah, he can do it all, and we saw that in our game a year ago, where you know it was his first start, and he really sort of revitalized that entire team. Um, you know, last week against Liberty, they're missing their running back and their tight end, who really are their second and third best players on offense, other than the quarterback. Those are the top three. So to have, you know, two of the top three guys missing made it harder on them, but Hooker really picked up the slack himself. He's a big, strong guy. He's hard to tackle. Um, he will run it on scrambles, he'll run it on design quarterback runs. I mean, and so they've got the pass plays, somewhere to Virginia, where they'll run, you know, vertical routes. If it's open, he'll throw it. And if it's not, then the the center and the and the running back break out late, and they turn into a quarterback draw. So, they've got some good stuff. They always have. They're great in the red zone. They always have been. So, uh, again, it'll be a great challenge. Like it, like we said even a week ago with our defense of stopping the run, um, and trying to make them one dimensional.
1: I'm going to say, uh, does that make the message any easier to deliver when you look at their numbers? Uh, it's 277 yards a game on the ground. Five times they've gone over 250 on the ground. So. Right, you you stop the run, you probably win. Does that make it easier to deliver the message to to the team as you prepare for the game?
2: Well, everyone that played them all year knew the knew the message also. The me- the, the messaging is not the problem. Everyone had a plan to stop the run, and and it didn't work. You know, and and um, they do a great job with outside zone. They run that stretch play, and and they kind of get your defense running wide. And then um Herbert does a great job of finding that crack, and he's super fast. Once he gets gets out in the open field, um, he's a problem. Then you, then if everybody wants to chase him. The quarterback will pull the ball and and you know and he can make some things happen as well so um stopping the run is is easier said than done but um i think our guys will be up to the challenge
3: coach when frank beamer was there he put the special and special teams with beamer ball they they still take a lot of pride in their special teams but we're pretty prideful in ours here at Miami too, and 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 you got to be proud of your kicker and your punter from last week. But they're going to have a big influence on what happens against Virginia Tech.
2: They are. We feel like really through the course of the year we've been outstanding on special teams, and that was one of the probably as disappointing as anything on on Friday night. Uh, we gave up the kickoff return for a touchdown, and then just penalties on our um, kickoff return team. You know, that just and we had we had a chance to score touchdowns on our kickoff return team, and and uh, so. I think that's something we take a lot of pride in. I think that's something we, we, you know was a big point of emphasis in our meetings uh, when we got back in town after the game. Uh, we know, and look, and we saw it last week. You go on the road in conference play; special teams are enormous. We got the big turnover off special teams on the onside kick, uh, but then we kind of gave it back uh, with the kickoff return. So um, it'll be a big, it'll be a big, big deal this week in practice to make sure that uh, we're buttoned up in that phase.
1: The good news is Gallis is number one in the conference in field goal percentage and uh lou headley's number two in punting so that's a, a big reversal over the last couple of years they had number one and number two in the league in terms of your kickers
2: yeah that's right um in the past we may have looked like number one and two but that was a very different uh, very different type of number one and two so no i'm just kidding we we uh, th- look those guys are special we know it but that's why we got to protect them uh, we got to do a great job protecting we got to do a great job of covering um when they do get the ball out there so uh, it makes a big difference and uh and we've seen how that correlates directly to winning. I mean, that's the reason why we've got a better record is because those guys are a big part of our success. I
3: and mean, I don't think anybody realizes, and I don't, honestly, I don't think we spent enough time on it um, after the ball game how short you were, player-wise, going into the North Carolina State game. It was it's like you were you know playing with uh, practicing with one arm behind your back, and how you described it. But the importance of what you learned from that. What, what your team learned for that, what what, the, what they're capable of, even when, with limitations, but also the advantage now or the help that it'll be going into this week's game, having people back and being more at full
2: force. Yeah, you know, what we talked about even before the game is that, um, look, in 2020, uh, you've got to make all kinds of adjustments because nothing really ever is the way that you want it. It just is. Um you know, we we had you know midweek we had a we had a quarterback starting on our dime defense on our third down defense. That's a little scary. Um, you know, we as I mentioned, we had graduate assistants who had to, um, you know be wide receivers and defensive backs and even an offensive lineman. Can you imagine blocking our interior defensive lineman and and, and you're a coach. Um, and you know, it's hard it's hard to get better that way. But but we told the guys said, look, when you when you run out of the tunnel, you're not going to hold a sign saying, oh look, I was blocked by a coach all week. Or, or I was covering a, a kicker, you know, who was pretending to be a wide receiver all week. Because the expectation is the expectation. And that's 2020. When the ball is kicked off, the reality is nobody cares. Um, so we have to find a way to overcome all these things. Because in 2020, we don't get what we want. Um, but we get enough. And, and and that's why I cannot credit our players enough, because it's not easy. Um, but they find a way. Uh, they persevere. and despite all kinds of strange adjustments we have to make, they, 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 they persevere and, they, and, they, and they've been victorious more often than not.
1: We hope there is not another time this year we have to go through that, but if there is, Don says he'll volunteer to <laughs> do whatever you need. Long snap, short snap, linebacker, he's ready to go. For one play. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. In practice. Um, the maturity of some of the guys on your team, I think it's pretty easy sometimes. I watch Jalen Phillips come off the field. He's a fireball of intensity. But you, you can see some maturity there as well. Same for Quincy Rocher, Nesta Silvera. I think we've seen a big jump there. How impactful has their maturity been for you?
2: Well, we're an older football team than we were uh, last year for sure. Um, and our older guys, you, know, you, you mentioned Quincy and, and, and Jalen, and they do a great job. Obviously, Derek, we've talked about him. But our junior class at Miami – um, I think is more than anything, they're the nucleus of our football team. Uh, they're the ones that were, were recruited in 2017 when we were 10-0. and 0. They were at the Notre Dame game in the stands saying, I want to be those guys. And then the first two years, they, they were 13-13. and 13. And I think they saw some of the older guys on, on those teams not all lead the right way. And so, you know, in our conversations in the offseason, they, they said, look, it's our turn now. We're the, we're the upperclassmen um, so whether you're talking about you know Silvera or, or you're talking about you know the, the the Gervin halls or Mari Carter's in the back end and you know Blades and Ivy at, at corner and you know you got Pope and Wiggins at wide receiver along with a Mike Harley and the an offensive line you know DJ Scaife you know Will Mallory's in that class you got Cam Harris's in that class you got a lot of guys in that class at almost every stop along the, the depth chart and um, and all those guys they, they hold it together really well and they play hard for each other. Um, and and I think that's why we've had a, a, a well-connected team.
3: Manny, one of the most physical outings that I saw out of our offensive line uh, this past week. I mean, they held up physically. It gave up two sacks. That's not always on the on the offensive line as a total number. But they, they, they were facing a physical front. They had to think. They had to think on their feet while they were moving. But overall, how did, how did that group play? And it's nice to see Zion Nelson. He's really a guy that's getting better and better every week.
2: Yeah, Zion was fantastic. Uh, I, Zion played really well. Ja'Kai Clark played really well. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think those guys held their own. You know, I, I think they've, I mean, obviously when you have the type of offense today that we have, that those guys are doing their job. Um, I think what we're excited about, you know, NC State provided some peculiar fronts, you know, in, in their three-down package, which is kind of what we thought. Um we got it. We got to continue to get the ball rolling again now with the explosive plays from our running backs. You know, we we really think highly of our backs. Um, and and we're you know now we're trying to look to see if, if you know we'll play some different fronts. I think there'll be some more examples of some yards there. We knew Derek would have a big day running the football against their front. Um, we'd like to see our backs pop a few more out and and get back to to the explosion we had in the run game in the first half of the season.
1: I don't know what the evaluation would be of of the secondary the other night, but I thought. Man, you talk about competing. Uh, they won some battles. State won some battles, but State had three guys that are six four and above, and a tight end that's six seven. I thought you know Ivy and Blades and uh, your guys in the secondary, T'Corey Couch really fought like hell in that game. T'Corey played very
2: well. as as the, as the game went on, we got better. But what, what happened is they made some really good plays in the first quarter. They made some really hard contested catches. Um, which they have done all year, you know. I mean, they got some guys that can play football and they're going to play in the NFL, there's no question. But I think what we did was we allowed some of those difficult plays that they made to affect our confidence. And then some of the ways that we defend crossing routes and and some of the ways we match up on some other plays, um, we stopped covering them the way that we're coached how to cover them. And so now, all of a sudden, NC State was already making plays, and now just because we get a little bit again, sort of it's all a mental thing, and we start losing I don't say losing our focus, but we just kind of we're not ourselves. Now we're really helping them out. And now they're really becoming a problem because they're making plays and now we're giving them plays. So it took a minute for our secondary to kind of snap out of that and start competing better, start relaxing, putting those, you know, plays in the past. And we were much better in the fourth quarter. But it was a good lesson for our guys because look, sometimes look, like you say, they got a six-four guy. They throw a back box, you know, fade in the end zone. You got to give them credit, but but you got to you got to let that go. You got to move on, and uh, and when we're talking about covering stuff, that's you know, first day of practice type stuff. We can't we can't have missed assignments on that.
3: Manny, three weeks in a row, no Brevin Jordan, but thank goodness for Will Mallory. I mean, he he's a guy and and uh, who's working is working as hard as he can, helping in the run game. But he came up with some big catches and. He seems to be really filling in, or I, I don't even really call him filling because it's like one in one 8
2: But he, what what are, what an option he presents to the offense. He really does, you know. He's got such great length, you know. So it's such a great target for the quarterback. And you know, a lot of, a lot of what you know, Brett Lashley does a great job of getting him the ball is really on some quick play action stuff, some RPO stuff. So again, when it's hard at times to run the football because they're bombing everybody forward for the run, well, that's because no one's paying attention to the tight end slipping right behind the linebackers and Dierk. We did a phenomenal job with his ball handling or just taking the ball out of the running back's belly and just you know and i mean it's kind of like a a baseball middle infielder just kind of quick throw quick toss to will so we will can get some catch and run and some explosive play so it's another weapon you got to defend and now that we've got the outside lanes going you know you got mallory and we'll get brevin back on the inside lanes there, it's a lot to deal with
1: can i just say this for one second before we wrap up we're uh, in mid-november thanksgiving's knocking on the door Your team is six and one. You've played some great games, close games. You're ranked ninth in the country. We're playing college football. I think it's been a lot of fun. Have you had, has it been any amount, any any ounce of fun in there for you and the players navigating around everything else?
2: It has been an extraordinary amount of fun. And I hope everybody's having fun watching this team. And I'm going to tell you why because there's enough stuff going on outside of football that's not fun, right? There's been enough, you know. Bad things in 2020 that we've had to deal with, and and look, this team, two things can be true at once. There's a lot of things we want to improve on. There's a lot of ways that we need to get better, but the only thing you can do on any given week is win the game, you know. And so all we try to talk about doing every week is go one and zero, and uh, you go one and zero, find the things you want to fix for the next week, and try and go one and zero again the next week. So I love this team. I love coaching this team. And again, any any hurricane fan should be proud. Of the effort. Now, I also want to say one more because there's another label that gets put on our guys a lot, and that's about being front runners. Mm-hmm. You know, in that oh, Miami's good when things are good. And if that was true, that game, that team would have let go of the rope on Friday night. They're Manny, not front runners. They fight and they find a way to come back and win.
3: Manny Hunt, number eighty-one, got his first start. Redshirt freshman. He is a young man that has really just progressed as the season has gone on. He's done everything that he's supposed to do. I was watching him fairly close. For for his first start against that physical and offensive line,
2: he held up pretty darn well. Yeah, Jared, Jared, Jared did well. Um, you know, his athleticism and his ability to stay on his feet, use his hands, you know, slip blocks, is just, it's very difficult. He, he creates a lot of problems for those guards and centers inside there. He's, a, he's an athletic mismatch. Um, you know, more similar to what we had with, you know, whether it's R.J. McIntosh, you know, Joe Willis, you know, those type guys that are just their quickness in there intimidates the offensive linemen that are going to block him. So still a young guy, still you know got a lot of his best ball ahead of him, but it's been fun to see him get better week in and week out playing in the ACC.
1: The, the last thing, and very short, just to piggyback on what you said before about your team, uh, along those lines, De'Ara King has accepted the responsibility of being a Miami quarterback. And you've said all along, to be a Miami quarterback, it comes with a different set of responsibilities and perhaps – not only has he accepted it, but it's going to be a great example for future Hurricanes who come in to take this position.
2: That's the truth. And you do want to talk about a bad 2020. I mean, some of the things that Derek has had to deal with this year and the performances he puts on, you know, with, with, with the difficulties he's had um, in his personal life off the field. I mean, what a hero. I mean, I don't have to say it. And, you know, I I would watch this guy play football every day. I had a chance to watch this guy play football. He's just he's, – he's, he is such a – I mean – his impact on our program, we, we can all see it. It's immeasurable, but but who he is as a person, you, you, you can't help but root for him.
1: All right, Coach, thank you very much. And. Uh Congratulations on the win against State and the best of luck against Virginia Tech. Okay, thank you. That's University of Miami Head Coach Manny Diaz. We'll continue with our show right after this.
0: The home of the U, AM560 and FM96.5 HD2 WQAM, driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagaki.
1: The second hour tonight will feature tight end Will Mowry, wide receiver and hero of the game, Mike Harley, and the guy that has put it all together, wide receivers coach Rob Likens joins us at about 740 tonight. So we'll talk a lot about the offense coming up in hour number two. Don, I was was, uh, reading a story in the Miami Herald today from Armando Salguero about the Dolphins' win on the road against Arizona, and he said they succeeded in overcoming improbable odds in difficult circumstances and a tough opponent, and they were able to do that uh, because they played with uh, grit and determination and, and those types of things that we saw from the University of Miami. So we saw with the Dolphins, it was okay for them. Now, the University of Miami did the same thing, in my opinion, on Friday night. You're going to go on the road. Sometimes you got to win games like that against an opponent you're favored to beat, but you have to dig down and win those games.
4: Well, a lot of the time, Joe, that, you know, the struggle I think that Miami's had for a long time. I mean, we can go back and try and document it um, when it started, but, you know, they overcame a very physical North Carolina state football team. I, I made a comment to you immediately in that game that, that, that this team is for real, meaning NC State. They came at Miami and hit them with everything they had. Miami was on the road. They had adversity through the entire football game. And, you know, whether it was um, North Carolina State answering scores, whether it was kickoff returns for touchdowns, uh, whether it was some drop passes, whether it was, uh, you know, the week, the two weeks preceding the football game when they had, you know, I don't know, Manny said they were down to, you know, 70 football players. The whole thing coming into this game and through this game, there were obstacles and reasons to, not give your effort and find a way to alibi your way out of a victory they did not do that and i think that that's really the story of this football game nobody's going to believe you or i the quality of football team north carolina state was i will tell you in my opinion aside from probably the clemson game by far and maybe equally i'd have to talk to the players about this this was the most physical football game Miami has played all season long for the full 60 minutes. And they, and they weathered the storm, and they came out, and you have seen now the month of November and the end of uh, October how this offense is starting to come into play, and you know, a lot of it has to do with the receivers and Mike Harley doing a great job, but it was the best day that the receivers have had as a group in, in years. You know, all of everybody participated. Your, your top four guys and your tight end, and um, you know De'Eric King. We can go on for weeks about him. And but it, it was a great victory for Miami, and I think that uh, everybody who's a Miami Hurricanes fan should be very very proud of those guys.
1: Dave Dorn builds his teams inside out. He is a product of the Wisconsin coaching tree, so that's what North Carolina State. Has been built uh, like or try where he tries to build them similar to the Wisconsin teams' power running game, big offensive line, big defensive line. He also tries to have an older team. He's stuck a little bit in between this year, but primarily he always plays with an older team, and they are big in the trenches.
4: And it looks like he was had Wisconsin influence, right? It was it was like they ran some of the Wisconsin gameplay. they were going to run at Miami. And they're going to run at Miami hard. They're going to run at him downhill. They're going to run at him with a back who's as talented as anybody in the ACC. A guy that can return kicks for touchdowns—that tells you what kind of speed he has. Um, he he, he was—they've got an offensive line. That left tackle, just ask ask Bubba Bolden about him. You know uh, that 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 guy is out in space. They execute a perfectly uh, executed play. The offensive line, you know, falls on the ground. They sell the play. They get that left tackle out in front, and he pushes Bolden on the ground and then dives on top of him. And, you know, that's the type of physical game it was. And um, they had a great game plan, And my, but Miami walked into the Hornets' nest. And, and I've got to believe it's going to be every single bit the same way when Miami walks it, uh, into Blacksburg and Lane Stadium, a similar environment that they just faced at NC State.
1: Oh yeah, no question about that. You know uh, the, the the battle you have in college football when you've had great programs, whether you're Miami or Alabama or USC or Texas or the University of Florida, Florida State. The battle you have in college football is if you're going to always measure your team against the high water mark of your program, you're probably going to have a tough time being happy.
4: That's a great point, Joseph, and w- because. What has happened, let's take those high watermarks, and you go back over the decades, because you have to do that. The the great teams have won championships in different different decades, and the rules have changed. The competition has changed. The numbers have changed. The style of offense has changed. The style of defense has changed. You know, this game has evolved from, you know, if you just start in 1979, which was the new era of Miami football, the Howard Schnellenberger version was different than the Jimmy Jer- Johnson version, and Jimmy's was different than Dennis's, and Dennis's was different than, than what uh, what Larry's was and what, what Butch's was. And then it, it goes on and on about how it is. But when you have a guy like Nick Saban, who's the, the king of college football, start talking about offenses have to score 40 points, that'll tell you more than anything that Things have changed, and yeah. you've got to have offenses uh, that 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 score points. It's defense is not going to win the game by itself every single time, and I was glad to see Miami's offense was able to help out Miami's defense a little bit. They own a couple ball games, you no, know, because yeah. this this defense has been spectacular uh, over the years. You know, between uh, with the let's just call it the, the Manny Diaz era when he was with Mark Richt as a defense coordinator, or since he's been a head coach they bailed out a bunch of folks, so it was nice to return the favor.
1: I was talking with a coach today who said what has changed in football is there are great players everywhere playing high school football. They're recruiting. There are great players across the country. Football is in pretty good shape, and the game, as you said, has evolved, so there are great players everywhere. Everywhere. Meanwhile, uh, what Miami's facing on Saturday, we'll touch on this here for a minute or two, Is a team that is running the ball for 277 yards a game and four times this year has scored 40 or more points. We don't know about uh, Herbert, Khalil Herbert, their running back, has a hamstring. He played at at American Heritage, a transfer from Kansas. Nonetheless, uh, Hennon Hooker is their quarterback and they are running the football at a record number, uh, at record pace for their program.
4: And, you know, immediately, if you were just listening to us on the radio and you've been in a time warp for for ten years, and you said Virginia Tech was running the football at a record pace. Pace being the, the word. You don't realize they're running the football; and they're not huddling, <laughs> right? Yeah. It used to be with Frank Beamer. It, it was it, you know it was a huddle and a fullback and a couple tight ends and a, a big offensive line, and you, you do a little play action and that, had that big court aside from Michael Vick, and you know Druckenmiller and those guys just throwing it down the field. This, this is a this is a fast-paced offense. They they do a a lot of the same things that everybody does, but they've got a legitimate quarterback. This guy Hooker has, you know, basically he single handedly beat Miami. But we're not even talking about the the rush yard, the running yard. I mean, the pass yards against Boston College. This guy rushed for a buck sixty five and three touchdowns. And then against Liberty, who I will tell you, if you put you can put anybody on that helmet you want from number six. Are seven south as far as rankings go, and that football team could could be an imposter for anybody. But he ran for 156 yards against them, and in the start, I guess I think it was against Louisville, he hits 10 for 10 in the ball game, not, not in or just in a series, but 10 for 10. So this Virginia Tech football team, it's a little different than Frank Beamer's, and they don't have Bud Foster. They are well coached. That you know, when you've got a hard hat on the front of your media notes, that tells you what kind of mentality you have. And and, they, and they're bragging, you know, uh, that they've had almost a 1,000 sacks since 1996. That lets you know right then and there what, the, what they're all about.
1: 21 rushing touchdowns this year, 28 sacks. And in each of the last six times where they've lost a game, a regular season game, they have come back to win the next game the following week. So they're coming off a loss Uh, after their previous six losses, they have come back to win the next week. They are a two-point favorite. Going to be a big challenge for Miami when we come back. Hour number two, Will Mowry, Mike Harley, Rob Likens will join us on the show as we continue on the hotline right after this.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day.